Can you hear me? Yeah. Brilliant. Um, yeah, it's just amazing when God starts working in our hearts like that. Tim came to me, he's like, what do you feel God's saying? I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you're meant to have the answers there. I just, I don't know. I don't know. Is it right to stop here? Is it right to carry on? Like, what's, what's God doing? But um, there's something about what God's doing in the season about um, kind of us not really knowing exactly what's going to happen which is so refreshing. And so often when we, in the church world, we try to control rather than liberate what God's doing and just say, God, you're God, we're not. And so I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm excited to be on this journey together where it's actually not about us, yeah. it's about Him. And yeah. I just want to be part of His story um, of, of, of reconciling the world. Yes, this is what happens. <laughs> Every week in our, <laughs> Eden's laughing at me again. It's, <laughs> it's, I'm not going to cry today. <laughs> the Holy Spirit has different things. I tell you, at life group on Wednesday, just a normal life group ends up, you know, calling gems out of each other, valuing each other. There are a few birthdays, and we just started speaking and calling life out of each other. And by the end of it, I think we all had tears in our eyes. Um, and none of that's planned. None of that's organized. But it's, uh, some, I was met with a pastor on Friday. He said, what's God doing in your church? I said, he's making us cry. <laughs> that's what God's doing. He's like, oh, so there's no big strategy or anything. You know, they go, I'm like, no. <laughs> we're just crying. I, I wanted to come rah, rah for the year, and we just started weeping. But I don't know why, but this, this message that we preach, this gospel that we hold to, this forgiveness message that we preached last week, it actually has the power to transform lives, transform nations, transform cities. I'm more convinced of that now than ever before. On Friday, I was at a worship event with a few guys from the church, and we're in this, this room with people praising Jesus, and it was like a roar of praise. I don't know about you, but by the end of it, all of our hands were just up. We're like, my goodness, what is going on here? But as I looked across, I'm like, this thing is changing our lives. This message is impacting the world. It is changing cities, changing countries, changing cultures. And I just want to be part of that story. I don't want to live my life just for myself and just for a safe, comfortable church called True Life Church. God is true. He died for so much more than that. Yeah. For a comfortable service in a premier seat. He died for more than that. He died so that you could actually have a seat in the throne of God. Yeah. Yeah. And you could rule and reign with Him. He died for so much more than you just dying and getting to heaven and getting your ticket and say, hey, I'm going. No, no, no. You are bringing heaven to earth. Amen. Every single one of you. And it's time to rise up. It's time to rise up. Because the reality of this thing is marriages are at stake. Children's futures are at stake. Actually, our lives are at stake. You know, I was like, oh man, I'm just getting, I'm stirred. I'm stirred. I'm warning you. This thing's not dying down because, yeah, when, when you start, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I don't, <laughs> when you start looking at what God's doing in other churches as well, and you start realizing the picture that we're painting here, it, it, it just overwhelms me. It overwhelms me because. I was in London on Friday, meeting with a bunch of pastors, different, two different pastors, and hearing what's, what's happening there. And what God's building through True Life Church is we are literally going to change churches across this country and across the nations. 
And some of the doors that are unlocking across the states, across Europe, Dubai, that God's going to start unlocking for this church. We're going to be sending people from True Life Church into these nations that you're going to impact and transform. Because I'm convinced that the people seated in this room have more gifting and capacity than just one local church can contain. That's what you guys carry. Do you believe it? Come on. I'm not preparing you just to attend a Sunday service. I'm preparing you to literally take nations for Jesus. Amen. And I look forward to li- visiting some of the church plants that will be planted out of this church through your lives, yeah. across nations, across the Arab world, across the Middle East, across Asia, across America, across Africa, across Europe. You guys are going to be doing that. Amen. I'm telling you right now, we'll be sending and releasing, but also we'll be sending gifts into local churches across the world, and you have a part to play. Amen. Amen. So let's be prepared. I'm not preparing you for comfort. I'm preparing you for the calling of Christ. Amen. Amen. Cool. It's time to preach. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Glory. Um, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. You know, we're in the book of Colossians, and we're looking at this whole thing of what is the gospel? What is this message about Jesus that we talk about so often, that we need to be rooted and grounded in the gospel? We talked about forgiveness last week. Can I encourage you, if you, didn't, you weren't here, you didn't listen to our message, Please go and listen to it on Spotify because it's a building block in this foundation that we're going through. And if you miss one brick, man, the whole thing can come crumbling down. So I really encourage you, stay on route and check out the scriptures. Make sure I'm not preaching heresy. Amen. So Colossians 1 verse 15, it says this, he, who's he? Come on, you guys are so bright. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, can you say him? him? All things were created. How many things? All. Some things? All. All things. Come on. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. For him. What were things created for? Him. him. Where's your purpose found? In him. him. You take God out of society, you take purpose out of society. Why do you think depression rates are through the roof right now? You take your God out of society, you take the very meaning of life with it. We need to get back to this. Everything was created by Him and for Him. Verse 17, He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. How many things? I don't know about you, but that's exciting. Is your life falling apart? <laughs> there we go. Ben, thank you. Yeah, that was the right answer for that moment. Um, he holds you together. Amen. Come on. If your life is in a mess, if your business is in a mess, if your career is in a mess, he is the one who can sustain you. He is the one that can hold you. He is the one that can carry you. No one else, only him. Why? Because he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's a good news. And it says this, he is the head of the body, the church. I'm not the head of the church. The Pope's not the head of the church. No man is the head of the church. Only one, Jesus. Amen. And that's exciting because last time I checked, he was better at this thing than me. Yeah. When I don't know what to do, when Tim doesn't know what to do, we just say, about it. Jesus is the head of this church, not me, not a Pope, not anyone but Christ. Amen. All the babies are crying because I'm going too loud. And he is the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. That is good news. 
For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him, can you say through him? Through him. To reconcile. Can you say reconcile? Reconcile. To himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Come on. That is good news. You know what I love about this scripture? Is it starts with how big Jesus is and how small we are. Because sometimes we get this message like, oh, I just want to be a friend with God and God's just my kind of my friend and all of this. Remember, God is God. He is big. You are small. He is before you. You are not before him. He doesn't owe you anything. He is before everything. He is the God that created the entire universe. That when you look at him, you think, this is the God who put galaxies into existence. Did you know in one square mile of rural land, there are more insects, different types of insects, than the entire human population? Over 7 billion insects within a square mile of rural land on this planet, and he knows every single one of them. While we're still trying to count them, he created them. That is a good God. That is a big God. That is a God who doesn't owe you an apology, doesn't owe you an explanation. That is a God who actually says, I am the king. You are my sons and daughters. Hey, because sometimes in this modern age, we we preach to Jesus as if he's this weak little fairy prancing in Palestine in a dress with a nice well-kept beard, with hands that have never touched a hammer in its life. He had rough hands. He was a carpenter. He was a warrior. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That is the God I want to serve. I don't want to serve a God that I can beat up. I want to serve a God that takes over the whole world. Come on. You need a God that can sustain you, a God that is bigger than you, a God that is a warrior, a God that is a king. That's the God I want to serve. Hallelujah. Oh, man. We're going charismatic today. <laughs> you might be like, Dylan, well, what, what's it? Jesus is the image of the invisible God. What that means, some of you are like, one well, image, it, there are two words for image. One is similar to, or one is exactly the same representation. That's the word used here. That when you look at Jesus, you see God himself. Jesus is part of the Godhead. He Hello, there we go. Yeah, I'm going to shout louder than you guys can hear. Here's the thing. Jesus is God himself. When you look at Jesus, you see God. You know why this is important? That God didn't create you because he needed you. Because so often we almost preach this thing as if Jesus needs you. He doesn't. He wants you. And that is different. Because suddenly that puts you in a place where he's not created us out of a place of need, but out of a place of desire. And when he looks at you, he says, my son, my daughter, I want to walk with you every day of your life. I want to reconcile you, bring you back into relationship with me. You know, this this whole idea that uh, God, you see, God was in relationship before relationship even existed. He was in relationship with his son, his Holy Spirit and the father all in one They had perfect unity, perfect synergy. And out of the overflow of that loving relationship, they created humanity. But so often you look at parents, when they create kids to save their marriages or create kids in order to, you know, 
fulfill a need in their heart, that's where they become idols. But when they create children out of a place of a loving, harmonious relationship, something healthy happens and those children flourish. That's the God that we serve. Come on. This is good news. Hey, come on. Hello. This is Ash's mic. I better behave then, eh? Come on. Can you hear me okay? Cool. Here's the thing. I've never heard the name of Buddha cursed. I've never heard someone hit their finger with a hammer and say, Oh, Buddha! Oh, Muhammad! Not once. Is this controversial? Okay. I have heard the name of Jesus blasphemed. Why is that? Because there's only one name that carries true power. There's a reason the name of Jesus is blasphemed across this nation. It's because it's the one name that has the power to save, to deliver, and to heal. Come on. Next time you hit your finger with a remember that. That Jesus' name is more powerful. Come on. You might say, because some of you sit there like, oh, my Jesus wouldn't do that. No, no one would go to hell with my Jesus. You're right. Because your Jesus doesn't exist. There's one Jesus. And my God has no explanations required. He gives us his word and his truth. He says, my sons and daughters, this is for your good. Trust me and believe in me. And I trust him and believe in him. Come on. Yo. You know, Hebrews 2.12 says, Jesus is our older brother. Sometimes the way that we talk to God and we shout at God, I get very concerned. Very concerned. You know why? Because we haven't understood how big he is. How mighty he is. He can handle you, don't get me wrong. But he owes us nothing. Last time I checked, my older brother, if I shouted at him, I got my ass kicked. (laughs) I'll be real. (laughs) I mean, my younger brother, I mean, Eden, if he started shouting at me, I'd have to to beat you up, right? (laughs) But he's getting stronger, so I'd have to train a bit and then sort him out. But here's the thing, is an older brother has a certain respect that's carried. And I get so concerned in our generation where we've lost respect for the elders. I get so concerned with the way that we talk to those that are older than us. There's, a, there's simple respect that we need to learn to show one another again. And it starts with getting this right that Jesus is before all things and he is the older brother in this relationship. And he can handle us and he can walk with us and he loves us. But we need to learn to show honor to one another that are older than us. Why? People are like, oh, I don't owe them anything. Look, learn to show respect. Learn to give them the front seat. Learn to open the door for people. Learn to, why? Because we want to start modeling this thing in everyday life. Amen? Amen. Come on. He knows what he's doing and he is the king. So here's the good news in verse 20. It says this, through him, he wanted to reconcile to himself, to where? Himself. To a religious system? No. To just a church service? No. To himself. That's who Jesus wanted us to be reconciled to himself. He wanted to bring us back into restoration of relationship with him. That's what reconciliation is. You see, forgiveness is one thing. That was the foundation block. You are forgiven, but you can be forgiven and not reconciled. 
Sometimes I advise people, don't be reconciled. When there's drugs involved, there's a period of, you need to forgive, but there's a period of saying, we need to see healing and restoration before you bring that person back into your life. Yeah? Domestic abuse, same thing. Sometimes there's a season where bringing someone straight back into a relationship or reconciliation is dangerous. You can have forgiveness but not be reconciled. But here's the good news about Jesus. He doesn't just forgive you, he reconciles you. You say, have any of you had uh, flaky friends? <laughs> where it's always like you're having a fight one minute, next minute, you know, your worst enemies, next minute your best friends. Anyone got those friendships? You know, I mean, poor Luke took one for the team last night. It was a stag do. And um, he, flaky friends. Uh, flaky friends <laughs> uh, this poor guy, so we're, we're at the pub. And I had nothing to do with this as a pastor yeah, of True Life Church. I, I just, I, I would never stoop this low. But um, Dan, the older brother, ended up, he ended up with a pie thing on, what was, a trifle all over himself. I mean, how terrible is that? True Life Church representing Jesus and that. And then someone, I don't know who, had the idea, we were at Caldecott Lake, while he was cleaning himself, to throw him into the lake. Who would do that on a Saturday night in the middle of winter? Dan, I can't believe you did that. But, um, but here's the deal. It's Luke had a moment where, <laughs> where he had to forgive. <laughs> But reconciliation may still be taking place in these next few moments. But the best part of it is Dan's still not married. So his stag do is coming at some point and he will be destroyed. But here's the deal. It's reconciliation is about God coming to us and saying, I want relationship with you. I want to walk with you. Let's put this in perspective. If Prince William and Kate, is it? I think that's the royal family. Yeah, just checking. You guys know your British history. Um, I saw them on the, on the treadmill and I was running. I was like, I think that's who they are. That's cool. Um, if they sent you a text, like, yo, um, Alice, you, you, you want to hang? You know, come over to Buckingham Palace. I mean, what would you do? You'd go. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, would you, would you change up a little bit? Be like, okay, I'm going to meet royalty right now. It, it, it would change the dynamic. I'd be like, yo, Prince, well, sorry, I've got another appointment. Would you mind rescheduling? You know, I'll just, just to be careful. But here's the thing, is you would prepare yourself. You would change your diary in order to go to that royal appointment. Now, let me ask you a question. I mean, famous people are great and all that, but they're just people. Can you imagine the king of kings of the universe actually sends you an invitation? He says, I want to hang with you. I want to be with you. I want to walk with you. I want to know you. What would change? Everything. See, the problem is we don't actually believe the first part of this message that He is the King, He is the Royal One, He is the Son of God, that He sends us an invitation. And I don't know about you, but I'm terrible at losing invitations. <coughs> Suddenly, a wedding's coming up on the 5th of Feb. I, 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 was, I need to find what time it is. I think Anna's got it covered. But anyone else knows this feeling. You're like, oh, what is it? Last night I nearly went to the wrong place. Why? Because I didn't read the invitation probably, which was a text message. But here, here's the thing is he's reconciling us ourselves and he's initiating. I can't just pick up the phone and call Prince William and say, yo, 
well, let's, let's chill. It, it doesn't happen. Why? Because he's in a place of royalty. He needs to initiate the relationship in order to make it possible. Same thing with Jesus. He initiates before you even desired. He's the one who made it possible before you even knew. Yeah. Come on. This is good news. This is good news. But here's the thing. He makes peace by his blood. He makes peace he, by making peace. How many peacekeepers do we have in the house tonight? Today. Tim. Tim's like a peacekeeper. Last night, I, should we throw him in the water? Tim's like, I'm having nothing to do with this. He stood back. That's called a peacekeeper. <laughs> yeah. A, a, a conflict. But he was recording the whole thing laughing. So... I don't quite know if that's part of, you know, the sin or not. But um, <laughs> here's the thing. You get peacekeepers. I know uh, Anna's a great peacekeeper. She would, you know, do better than me at that. But here's the thing. The Bible calls us to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. So often in Christianity, especially in the West, we just want to keep the peace. We don't want to say anything that offends anyone these days. I'm so tired of it. Seriously, it's like there's this silence that we all have that you can't actually share your opinion anymore. Honestly, we've got to be secure enough that even if someone disagrees with me, I can still love them and walk with them. But here's the thing. The Bible calls us, by Jesus said, I've made peace with you. I've made it. I didn't just keep peace because it wasn't peace to keep. You see, we have this false facade in our society today that everyone's at peace with each other. It's not true. We need to wake up. You know, the, uh, in Rwanda, the Rwandan genocide, if you know your history a bit here, that a whole, hundreds of thousands of people were murdered and slaughtered whilst the UN soldiers literally were there with guns, with ammunition, and watched people getting slaughtered to death. Why? Because they were tasked with one command, be peacekeepers, you cannot be peacemakers. So their authority stopped at the point of only if they were fired upon could they fire. That's a peacekeeper. A peacemaker is like, there's injustice happening now, I'm going to fire before I'm fired upon. You see the difference? So literally hundreds of thousands of people's lives were lost because they were tasked with peacekeeping, not peacemaking. How many more billions of lives are going to be lost to eternal damnation because the church is in silence of trying to be peacekeepers rather than peacemakers? Come on. Because I think the true root of this thing is we're afraid if people reject us if they don't like us because of what we say. It's an insecurity of our identity that we need to work through and get secure in. Come on. Because it gets awkward. Let's be honest. <laughs> You bring Jesus into a conversation, everything changes. You can bring God in, say the name God. You're like, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Jesus. Oh, no. Oh, no. Wow. The name of Jesus carries something more than just the name God. Come on. Yo, you cannot have true peace apart from God. You need God in your life. You need him. You cannot have it in money. You cannot have it in friends. You cannot have it in family. You need it in Jesus. Come on. I know when my relationship with my wife is good, it's great. But when it's not good, if we leave, you know, if there are tears at home or we've had a conflict, whatever, it affects your whole relation, your whole day. You are here. Any married person in the house say amen. Luke and Emma, welcome to marriage in two weeks' time. (laughs) 
But when my two girls are happy, I'm happy. When one of them's unhappy, I'm not. You know, I drive to work stressed. You know, why? Because there's this relational tension. And what God wants us to do is walk in relational intimacy with Him. Because here's the thing, the Bible says that once you were alienated from God, meaning you were transferred to another owner, now, but now He has brought you near through the body and the blood of Christ. That's powerful. You, you're not far from God, you are near God. He says, because of, he says, once you're alienated from God, we're enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now He has reconciled you. When? Now. Not in the future. Now. If you put your faith in Christ, you are reconciled. This is good news. Come on. Once you were dead, now you are. Once you were lost, now you are. Once you were evil, now you are. There we go, Danny. Yo, the test came, eh? I was wondering where we were going to go with that. Because some of you think here yeah, that, hey, Dylan, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've experienced in my life. You don't know what sins I'm you know, going through. And I don't. I don't. But I know one thing. I know what Jesus has done. And what he's done is more powerful than what you've done. Come on. Yeah. Ask, ask yourself, because some of you are sitting there like, hey, Dylan, how can I be right with God and also be a sinner at the same time? Like, how can I, you know, last week I was talking about you are forgiven past, present, future in yeah. one go. Yeah. And some of you are like, oh my goodness, what does that mean? Because I'm a sinner. You're a son. Because here's the deal. Is the law of gravity true or, or false? True, as far as we know. Um, <laughs> law of gravity works. So how is it that an airplane goes into the sky and stays in the sky? <laughs> Magic. Yeah, no. Why? Because the law of aerodynamics conquers the law of gravity. It's not that the law of gravity is false. It's just it's superseded by a higher law that overcomes the law of gravity. Just in the same way that you might still sin, you might still mess up, you might still see yourself as a sinner, but actually there's a higher law, there's a higher truth that comes above that. That is the truth that Jesus died on the cross once for all, forgave you past, present, future, and said, you are right with me apart from anything you do. That's good news. We have a truth that supersedes the truth. Yes, you sin. Yes, you mess up. But that is not who you are. You are a son. You are a daughter. And you are free. Because it says that he presents you in his sight without blemish, free from blame, and without accusation. Without blemish. He makes you holy in his sight. That when you're in God's sight, he looks at you and says, Josh, holy. Janet, holy. I used to be scared of the word holy. I used to think holy is a hard thing to do because I thought it was something I had to become. Again, you live because you are holy. You live from a place of holiness, not to gain holiness. It's a difference in thinking because here it says you are enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. You need to renew your mind and see yourself. I'm holy in his sight. I'm going to live holy because I'm holy in his sight. I'm set apart. Come on. It says you are without accusation. Anyone got friends that love to accuse them? We have a society that loves to accuse. A society that loves to point out your faults, your mess ups and say, oh, you know, look at, look at what Eden did. Oh, 
We love to accuse. Be careful who you accuse because you're partnering with the enemy. That's his job title. I don't want to be an accuser. I want to be someone who declares truth. Amen. Come on. Because he has the deal. 2 Corinthians 5, I shared this last week. God made him who had no sin to be sin for you so that in him you might become the very righteousness, rightness of God himself. Let's take a moment quickly to consider that. Let's take a moment to consider that Jesus actually became your very sin. He became, he didn't just carry your sin, he became your sin. God made him who had no sin to be sin for you. So when God the Father looked at Jesus on the cross, he saw every sin you've committed, past, present, future, in him, Jesus actually became it so that he could be the true sacrifice. Radical. Because that, that changes everything. I, I don't know about you. This is not, oh man, this is probably a terrible story to share. Um, can I just say this is like BC? Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, okay. it's just okay. So I mean, like, I'm not going to see this guy again. Well, there's more my brother, actually, to be fair. It was my brother. It wasn't me. Um, but I was uh, our witnesses. But in South Africa, we used to do drag racing. Terrible, I know. Criminal. And um, I remember we were, we were driving this car, and we weren't doing a drag race, but we were coming back from this race. And we are coming down, and he drove past a cop at, I'm trying to think what it is, so kilometers, it's about 220 kilometers an hour, which is... 130 miles an hour. So he's driving and this traffic cop tries to pull him over. And of course you don't stop <laughs> because the traffic cop's going to arrest you. So he just drove on. I'm like, oh man, you know what's coming in the post. You know there's an accusation coming in that post. And so the court thing it arrived. It's this massive fine, massive, massive fine. And, um, and also court day because you've got to potentially lose your license, all of that. But what he did, now this is where it's bad, it gets bad, is he called Ramalan, who was our connection, let's put it that way, and he was part of the team, the crew. And Ramalan knows all the traffic officers. Ali's going to be shocked here, this is South Africa. And Ramalan managed to organize for 200 rand, 10 pounds, to make it disappear. How crazy is that? So suddenly a court date is gone. An accusation is gone. All of that because my brother knew the right person to call when he was in trouble. Now that's an illegal way to do it. <laughs> but now in Jesus, how many in the church don't know who to call when they mess up? So instead, they just go into their court dates, allowing the enemy just to bombard them, bombard them, bombard them. Look what you did. Look what you've done. Look how much you've messed up. Rather than calling Jesus and saying, I need my advocate to represent me so that I can know that I am free. That suddenly all those court documents disappear because Jesus actually paid the true price for them so that you can walk with confidence that if you saw a traffic officer, you don't need to worry. Why? Because you're free. You're free free from accusation, without guilt, and totally justified. Amen. Amen. Come on. And don't judge me for that story. It was my brother. <laughs> Just like last night, it was Dan. <laughs> but the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. 
Now, every one of us has sinned and fallen short, but the wages, the payment and consequences of sin is death itself. But through death, Jesus made us right with him. Don't tell me our God cannot use that which was meant for evil for good. Because he turned that which was a very consequence of sin, death, into the very means to make you right with him. Think about that for a moment. That the very consequences of some of your sins, your bad relationships that you've gotten into, the bad mistakes that you've made, God can turn that for the very purposes of God if you allow him to. That he's a redeemer. He's the one who turns the situation. Suddenly the things that used to just bog you down with guilt, actually he can use to accomplish his purpose. Come on. I always say to people when they go through stuff, I'm like, are you going to let this define you? Are you going to let God use you with this? Come on. Amen. Worship team, I wonder if you could come up, please. Can we get a tremble started? I think that's a good one. That's a good one. But, hey, come on. In, in 2 Corinthians 5, it also says that God was reconciling us to himself, not counting men's sins against them. God is not sitting there counting your sins against you. He's counted Jesus' righteousness as yours. Come on. Now, do you believe this? Do you actually believe it? Because it's so easy to say, but do you actually believe that God's reconciled you? If you put your faith in Christ, you're made right with Him. If you don't put your faith in Christ, you're not right with Him. You need to put your faith. Why? Because it's all being paid for, but you need to receive it. We're not preaching this thing that everyone's saved and everyone, this, you know, because Jesus paid the price for the whole world. No, no, no. He paid the price, but you have to receive the gift. You have to. Don't fall for that deception. Do not fall for it, friends. Because I've seen people, I've seen churches literally shaken and ripped apart because of that rubbish. You need to put your faith in Christ. You need to be right with God. You think, oh, I'm not such a sinner. You are and you were. But here's the thing, is Jesus has done something greater than your sin. And I don't know where you all stand, but I know that Jesus is looking down. He's saying, I want to make you new today. I want to make you new. A lot of the the stuff that we go through in our lives is because we don't believe the gospel. We need to get back to this good news, guys. We need to get back to it. I can't change your life. Jesus can. Come on. Because in Colossians 1.23, it says, If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Some people are like, that means, you, you know, you need to continue in your faith. No, because if you don't continue in faith, you'll start living by your feelings. And last time I checked, my feelings are deceptive. We, oh, Dylan, I don't feel right with God. That means nothing. You are right with God. Dylan, pray for me to feel right with God. No, you are right with God. Believe it. I'll pray for the renewal of your mind, but I cannot change. I cannot pray a prayer. Uh, people, God, pray God's with me. I'm not going to pray that because He is with you. Amen. You need to believe the truth. Otherwise, you'll keep relying on me. You'll keep relying on someone else. We're not building a culture of dependency on man and leadership in this church. We're building a dependency on Jesus and what He's done. That's what we're after. 
If you want just a pastor that's going to stroke you and say, hey, you're wonderful, you're the best thing, don't worry, God's near you, I'll pray for you every week. It's a wrong church for you. We'll say, hey, hit you on that. Come on. Believe the truth. Receive the truth. Know the truth. Become the truth. That's who you are. Come on. Because in 2 Corinthians 5.17 it says, If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. What's old in your life, my friend? Come on. What's that, uh, Molly? Sin. Where's it? Gone. What's come? The new. And like I said before, that word for new is kainos. You get two words for new. Like if I took my shoes, which were covered in mud last night as a result of actions that took place. I had this shoe with mud. If I went and I washed it and I cleaned it and I wiped it down, that would be called neos. It would be a new kind. It would be the same shoe, just a new, uh, like a cleansing. That's not what word is used. The word kainos is used. And that's a superior quality. It's like taking my dirty shoe, giving it to someone, and they come back with a better shoe, better quality, totally new, no history, no past. Why? Because Jesus has come into the picture. And that's what's happened with your life. You are not defined by the old. You are not just neos. You are kainos. Come on. You're even learning Greek in this church. You guys have a destiny inside of you, but we will never take the nations if we constantly cripple by guilt, cripple by condemnation, thinking, oh my goodness, I will never be free. Repent. You are free. Come on. A world is waiting. California is literally waiting. Dubai is waiting. The Middle East, Saudi Arabia is waiting. India, a billion people are waiting for this message. Let's rise up. Britain, how many million? 55, 60 million people are waiting. They're waiting for us to see, to believe, to say, actually, I am reconciled to God and a man with God can change the world. 12 people shook history. How much more? How much more? This message has power to literally transform children's lives. This message has power to transform government. This message has power to transform whole health departments. This message has power to transform Hollywood. This message has power to transform the whole technology world because this message is the hope of the world. And guys, if we keep waiting for someone from America to come here, and give us a little filly, we're never going to do this. We need to rise up, Britain, because this nation was designed to lead and was made to transform the world. Come on. I'm longing that Britain is going to be a hub of revival for history to be talking about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this, uh, the Bible says, do not receive God's grace in vain. Now is the time of His salvation. Now. Not tomorrow, now. Hallelujah. Now is the time. Jesus. I wonder if we can stand, please. I'd like to, I'd like to pray. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The name of Jesus has power. name of Jesus has power to save. 
I know there'll be some people here who don't believe in Jesus or don't believe in what he's accomplished. I want to give you an opportunity to make your, if you're not right with God now, I want you to, I want to pray with you, but also we want to pray together with you and say, now's the time. If you're like, oh, I'm not sure, now's the time to know. I want to bow our heads. There's anyone like that and you've not put your faith in Christ. You've not said, Jesus, I need you to be Lord of my life. You are my King and my Savior. You're not one or the other. It's both and. And I need your blood to make me right with the Father. I need to know that I am right with God and I want to receive that. I want to put wherever you are, if you can raise your hand and I want to pray with you. Jesus, come on. Anyone else? Jesus, Jesus. Anyone else? Just raise your hand. This is a moment of breakthrough from before. Yeah. Come on, Jesus. Anyone? Yeah, I see that. Josh, Jesus. Anyone else? Anyone else? Holy Spirit. Can I just, can I just have leaders? Anyone else? I just want to give you a moment. Jesus. Holy Spirit. Oh, Jesus. Freedom is coming. I wonder if we can just raise our hands whilst those guys have been prayed for. Yeah, would you, everyone else, if you just raise your hands in the meantime, as those guys have been prayed for, I just want to declare truth over you, and then Asher and worship team are going to go for it. Um, Holy Spirit, I pray right now for every hand raised. I pray, Father God, for the reconciliation of the Father's heart. I pray, Father God, for freedom from accusation right now. Lord, I pray where people have had to use illegal means to try and be free like we did growing up. Lord, I thank you that you've made a legal way to make us right so we are secure for all eternity. Lord Father, I pray right now for the authority of Christ in hearts where minds have been plagued with guilt, minds have been plagued with their old nature. I pray, Father, for a renewal of the mind. I pray, Father, for an empowering of your spirit that as we preach truth, the seed would not be stolen. It would not be taken by the enemy. But Lord Jesus, this truth would find good soil. It would sink deep into hearts. Lord Jesus, make people right with you now, we pray. Decree them, Lord. Let them hear the truth of your word right now. Let them hear the truth of your word right now, Jesus. I pray right now, Sarah, right with God. Right now, Jesus, let the fire of God burn in her heart. Hannah, right with God in Jesus' name. You are right. Luke, right with God in Jesus' name. Emma, right with God in Jesus' name. Dave, right with God in Jesus' name. Luther, right with God in Jesus' name. Charlotte, right with God in Jesus' name. Come on. Jesus, we decree that these, everyone in this room, right with God by the power of your blood. Let the blood of Christ come and break strongholds, we pray. In Jesus' name. Jesus, we lift your name.